does need a new shirt. <laughs> All right, so uh, welcome to Something to Drink About. My name is Alex Van Amberg. I'm a certified sommelier with the Court of Master Sommeliers and a CSW, or a certified specialist of wine with the Society of Wine Educators. I'm Christy Collins. <laughs> I'm your wife. <laughs> I'm a mom of three and a yoga teacher. Yes, you indeed are. Excellent. Um, so if you've never been on the program before, this is uh, the entire idea is trying to make wine fun and not frightening. So Christy knows nothing about wine, and I know a little bit about wine. And the format is we kind of just go through a wine together, and uh, we just see where it takes us. Um, you know, try tasting it, try exploring it, and see what happens. So are we game? We're game. Let's go. All right. Let the fun begins. So, I love the cloche. Yes. Well, so um, originally I showed Christy the wine when we first started off, and um, she had had too much information. So I've now started putting my wine in a black bag and hiding it from her so she has no idea what she's getting into, which is all sorts of entertainment. So we have our wine in our glasses. Shall we tink? Oh. oh, that was so cool. Mine's still going. That's the, that's the happiest sound <laughs> in the world. So, uh, Christy, why don't you tell us about the wine that you have in your glass today? Well, it's beautiful. It's bright yellow. Well, I don't know, bright. It looks sunshiny. It looks like sunshine in a glass. It is. It's it's intensely golden. It's, it is like a lot like sunshine in a glass. It's amazing. Yeah. Here's it's a piece of liquid, white paper. It looks like a liquid gold color, like a um, golden ring. It's also um, a little white towards the edge. It actually changes colors fairly rapidly towards the edge, which I think is interesting. Do you notice that at all? Like it's really deep in the core, and then as it gets out towards the edge, it, it goes from being this golden yellow color to um, almost like a, a very clear marigold uh, out to the edges where it suddenly becomes um, silvery white. Clear, yeah. And, you know, since you gave me this white piece of paper mm-hmm. that I can put my wine glass against, mm-hmm. so now I know that I can actually look at the real color of the wine mm-hmm. that yes i see i actually see that pretty cool it is cool it's a little silvery it's not just clear it's silvery on the edges excellent and um yeah no and uh, the, it's like I, a little bracelet well it's a uh, it's like a little bracelet <laughs> I, I remember a while back you said you know, something was so pretty you wanted to eat it which was very confusing to me but <laughs> okay it's like a bracelet i want to chew on it well okay you see something pretty you want to eat it I, I can't say that frequently I see something pretty, I want to stick it in my mouth. <laughs> really? Interesting. So, I, I, <laughs> I think we're getting a little off topic here. Let's get wrong. out of the rabbit hole. <laughs> right. So, back to the wine. Okay. So, uh, what we have in our glasses then, to summarize, is a golden white wine, uh, almost yellow in color, um, turning into a slight silver rim on the edge there. Uh, what's it smell like, Christy? Mmm. It smells sweet and melony and yummy. Do you like my word, yummy? I use it almost every podcast. I'm going to have to come up with a different word because I'm sure that, well, I'm getting tired of it. <laughs> well, I, 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 uh, I do tastings for a wine group, um, and they're they're called the Cellar Dwellers. And for a, I started that about, what, three, four years ago I started doing this group. And so I would do tastings for the committee, and I would stand in front of the committee, and I would talk about a wine, and I'd say, well, this wine is just fun. And I kept using the word fun to describe wines because, to me, that, that encapsulates so many different things. And then finally, one day, one of the, the, the then people on the committee looked at me and go, Alec, I just have to ask, what does fun mean when it comes to a wine? And I stood there just like polaxed for a second, like... <laughs> Uh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I went off for about 30 seconds about all the different things fun could mean, but at the end I agreed that I was being very vague and I needed to get more specific if I was going to use a phrase like fun. 
So yummy may be too vague. Well, it, it, it indicates more of an emotional state than a, than a uh, description that's going to help someone else. Totally. So, I mean, it's cool to say this is fun or this is yummy because that ex- expresses excitement about the wine. Mm-hmm. But whether or not it actually helps anyone come to a better understanding about the wine is something else entirely. Well, I don't know what I smell, but I do smell – like it smells like a Chardonnay to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. But it smells um, – well, it smells like I want to drink it. That's always good. <laughs> so let's look for some individual identifying markers in what you're smelling there. Okay. Like what actually smells like a Chardonnay. Because, I mean, it, it's totally cool if, if you're just reaching out and cherry picking something because of familiarity or because it sounds like something or smells like something you've had before. Ooh. So, um, so what's... What was that ooh for? Everybody's uh, going to want to know now. Because I'm looking at the glass and there's a... The, the, the sides of the glass are sheeting with wine uh, and it's forming relatively thick legs, which indicates a, a, a rich viscosity to the wine to me. I know we talked about how wine um, legs were relatively meaningless. Like a lot of people would look at a wine and, and wonder what the legs are going to tell you. Right, but then last time... We'd... Or one of those times we talked about the wine coating the glass, and it actually turned the glass a, like a pinky hue. It was beautiful, mm-hmm. like eyeglasses. Well, and, and from this the wine Indies. is doing something very similar. It's actually sheeting on the glass. It's giving uh, there's there's some rich, thick legs coming down the side, which indicates either a higher alcohol, a higher sugar content, um, but definitely more of a of a viscosity to the wine that will probably, although not always, translate into the mouthfeel. So that's why I, I went. You can't say mouthfeel with a straight face. I, I do. You all sit you around can't. and just say, "Well, I don't know. What do you think the mouthfeel is on this?" Well, again, Jacob? you use. Well, y'all. I don't know, Brian. What do you think the mouthfeel is on this? Because most of you are men. I mean, there are a few women I know, but most of you, <laughs> how's the mouthfeel? <laughs> well, first of all, you're being blatantly sexist. And that's, I know. That's really I am totally. Well, no, I mean, mouthfeel is a, is a is a. Okay, so when you judge wines, a lot of times when people are judging wines, they're judging it on like five categories. Like we've talked about before, it's on sight, the visual approach to the wine. They're talking about what the wine tastes like, but it also includes what the wine feels like in your mouth, which is also very important because if you have something that's really oily, it's going to be a very different sensation than when something's very lean or something's very sharp or if something's very acidic. Those are all physical sensations that are happening in your mouth. So where do you want to say the feel is happening? You know, it, it's mouth not... Feel. Yeah, it's is mouth it feel. lean for you or oily? We haven't tasted the wine yet. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's why the, the cue that I got and the ooh that you got was because there's a visual cue happening from the side of the glass that leads me to believe this is going to have a rich mouthfeel, which I'm excited to find out about. Um, but I don't want to go past the nose. I want to I want to keep talking about the nose. And I'm sorry I distracted us and took us down this rabbit oh, hole. Oh, hey, it's a good rabbit hole, mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. Did you distract us? I thought that was me. So I smell that oaky-ness. Do you? Or am I just totally off off base? Well, I mean, what do you mean by oakiness? What's oak to you in this particular case? Chardonnay. Okay. So you're kind of in a circular descriptive pattern I here. I know. And which is totally fine. I like circular descriptive patterns, but you can start to delineate little pieces out of that if you'd like. Well, it smells to me. Okay. So what I'm getting is, is I hear what you're saying about wood, but to me it smells like... The mouthfeel? No, we're not the mouthfeel yet. We're still at, at, okay. we're still a scent. Period. I just wasn't so, sure if there was lean wood in the mouthfeel. Well, no, because it, there is. Um, <laughs> it smells like paper. You know, there's like it's like if you smelt um, paper or newsprint. 
You just took my joke away. Okay. What do you smell? Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Well, indicators. Tell are, me what I'm smelling. When we're talking about oak, in a lot of cases, we're talking about things that are, are really heavy and rich in vanilla or caramel or toastiness. The toastiness of the wood is usually what we're talking about. Barrel aging, and that's usually what you seem to get, as far as I can tell, with oaking a wine. Those are the okay. things you're getting from, and I'm not getting a lot of vanilla off the nose of this. I'm no. not getting a lot of that caramel or butterscotch Mm-mm. or coconut. No. None of those things are coming off of you're here right. for me. What, what I'm getting is um, it's it's like some reduced floral characteristics, like like there's subtle honey suckle in the background um, yes and, honey suckle but it's like the fate it's it's like their faded floral characteristics i did say melon in the beginning mm-hmm. but sometimes melon tastes i mean smells a little bit like honeysuckle and it's more pronounced when i swirl the wine and and, and get things going in the glass i'm gonna get it going in my glass mm-hmm. get it going so there's there's know. a there's a, okay well there's a dry paper smell to it as well which is interesting there's there's um which is almost slightly like dried herbs okay um, you know how you smell um, – there's a difference between fresh oregano and, and, a, and a very dried oh, yeah. um, uh, like chive or something like that. There's a, there's a, there's a dustiness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's those dried qualities that I'm getting off of it as well. Um, there's, there's, the nose is fairly um, – I'm going to say – I'm going to use the word reduced, but it's not what I mean. It's, it's like there was something there before and they're faded now. Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm getting afterthoughts, after images of smells and not true smells at the moment, which is interesting. So, um, okay. So let's move on to tasting. Okay. Unless you have something that's jumping out of the glass at you. No, I'm, you know, I'm lost here. Okay. I mean, it, it, the thing, the funny thing was when we first opened it and we first poured it, it was, there was a pronounced change of smell in the room. You could smell something that happened in the room. Um, like there was, there was elements of that dried honeysuckle coming yes. out of that dried fruit notes coming out, not, not candied fruits, but there was elements of that coming out. And now that we're in the glass, it's, it's really faded and, and not really there as much. So there's right? a little alcohol. Isn't that weird? It was very twinkly in the beginning and mm-hmm. now it's, it is, it's. It's a little dampened. Okay. Okay, so we're just going to taste right yep. now. Okay, let's move it on. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds awful. You're in the microphone. It just doesn't sound right. Have we already gone through what you do? You circulate the air in your mouth and do that. And you look weird. You look like a little fish. Really? Wow. Okay. For such a reduced nose, there is a lot going on in the mouth. With this, it's, it's really got exciting. A big mouth feel. It uh, well, I, um, <laughs> it's a little oily on the finish. Oh, is it oily? Okay, you talk. But <laughs> <laughs> why don't we have you talk, Christy? What is your experience when you put that in your mouth? What's your mouth feel? My mouth feel is well, it's juicy. Okay. Um. You want me to keep going? Go on, that was no. a really good word. No, that is good. <laughs> I feel really good now. Okay. Um, it's juicy. It's only dry at the finish. But it has a good heat to it. It's um, at the end. It's smooth. It's creamy almost. Mm-hmm. Is that? No, it's good. That's Those what are all I've good. got. It's creamy on the so when you when you put the wine in your mouth and you hold on to it for a minute it, it's um there's a there's a, a, a tingle of alcohol across the, the 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 upper palate across the roof of the mouth um, there is a, there's a richness to the mouthfeel there's a creaminess to it there is um, it has that viscous uh, slightly oily quality to it because it's 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 very creamy there's also um, there's obvious notes of like roasted apple 
I, I think, you know, it, it tastes mm. like roasted apple. It tastes like roasted red apple, roasted green apple. There's vanilla on the palate in a big way that wasn't on the nose. Yes. Um, so, I, I taste the vanilla. And it's not just vanilla. I taste that roasted apple, too. And there's vanilla on there as well that is um, it's like vanilla extract. Uh, because there's an, it combines with the alcohol to give you that 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 heat of vanilla, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Not mm-hmm. a lot of spice though. I mean, um, there is that I guess toasted coconut in there as well. Uh, I'm guessing that this is a wine that's actually seen um, malolactic fermentation. So because okay. it's not bright green apple, so malolactic fermentation. So when you have um, when you make a wine through a second fermentation, where it changes those crisp green acids to longer thicker chains of acids and it's called mallow lactic fermentation okay um it's the same stuff as you get in milk that lactic uh, the lactic oh. acids that you get in milk so that's why part of the reason why i think it has such a rich and creamy mouthfeel is because they, they got rid of all those really harsh sharp tiny acids and turned them into mm. long soft fat acids. really good it is really good so on the finish there, it's almost like a little bit of marshmallow, um, finally, uh, yeah. like toasted marshmallow. So this is delicious. It's got it good acidity delicious. as well, you know, but it's um, it's fun. I like it. It's something you want to share. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because it's got the things we enjoy in wintertime are those roasted things, those toasted marshmallows and hot chocolate and, and um, you know, you know, vanilla sugar cookies and, and things that are warming. Uh, and this is this wine has that in spades. It's got those warming elements. It's got candied. Um, it's like roasted pineapple, roasted tropical fruits in there. I think as well. You know, the, there's mm-hmm. there's those tropical elements, but they're all subdued as if they've been matured and cooked over time. Things have changed. So this is delicious. This has got a rich it's mouthfeel. Like chutney wine. Okay, without the spices. Without the spices. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it, and it's got, I mean, it's got apple, it's got pineapple, it's got, um, you know, tropical elements that have been matured over time. It's got softness, it's got vanilla, it's got a rich, viscous mouthfeel. It's coating, um, but there's this clean wash of acid at the end mm-hmm. that washes it out. It's not Smooth. making my cheeks blow up with, with no. water, but it's there at the end, and it just the flavor lingers. So this is great. I like this one a lot. I do too. I love it. Okay. So what do you think it is? Chardonnay. Yeah, it was the Chardonnay. I kind of gave that <laughs> <Sorry>. away. <laughs> so the well, you reveal. said it wasn't. Like I thought it was a Chardonnay when I first smelled it, and then you were like, "Well, I'm not getting this and that and this and that." But I was right. I just want to say, and there you go. Just saying, I was right. How's your okay. shoulder? Why are you asking how my shoulder is? From patting yourself on the back so much. <laughs> it's kind of awkward. <laughs> Hey, so, it is the second wine in my life that I have figured out what it is. Good job, Christy. Thank you. No, it's 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 actually impressive. Um, and you you did what I did on my psalm test, which is basically you cherry picked both of the wines that you got right from previous experience. You drank them so often that you were yep. like, "This tastes like something I've drank a lot of." Yes, and that's <laughs> what happened on my psalm test. I got very lucky. <laughs> but okay, so I just want to say that although your humble self-depreciating thing is kind of cute and I know it works for you it also doesn't describe to people who you really are and you're not giving people a full picture of the amount of work that it has taken you to get to the point where you are right now so yes wine should be fun and not frightening and you are a great teacher and you're very fun and you're very funny, but you also worked your butt off. So to say that 
you got lucky is, I think, diminishing the amount of work you did. Well, I think um, I think it's actually a good topic for another podcast. You know, like one of the nerdisodes that I'm, I keep gassing about and haven't done yet to talk about what it actually means to test for sommelier, what it actually means to say you're a certified sommelier as opposed to an advanced sommelier, as opposed to a master sommelier, such as you see in the movie Psalm. Because that's uh, you know define your terms. In a lot of cases, we don't talk about the terminology we use, and, and giving people a shared vocabulary will help. Right, but that doesn't say how great you are. And I'm just saying you are really an incredible human, and you have an incredible brain, and you hold more information than anybody I've ever met, except maybe the children that you spawned. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which they are far too happy to share. So... Okay, well, um, heard. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. Good job. And so the wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the wine tonight is a Ridge 2012 Estate Chardonnay. So um, what makes Ridge um, winery? So this comes out of California. This is a new world wine. Um, it comes from the Montebello Vineyard in the Santa Cruz Mountains. So about mm. 30 miles south of San Francisco uh, near um, Cupertino. Mm-hmm. California, and they've been growing grapes there since the 1890s or Santa so. Santa Cruz. Did you ever see the movie 30 Days with Sandra Bullock? Or is it 29 Days? Where she goes into rehab? Is it the one with Viggo Mortensen? Yes. No, I haven't seen it. And they have a soap opera called Santa Cruz, and one of my classmates was in that soap opera that was on the show. He was really good. Hmm. He was the good-looking doctor. Okay, so just a little tidbit for you. Go ahead. Well, Santa Cruz. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so uh, the Ridge Winery, Ridge Estate um, Winery in particular, they, um, they're they actually renowned for uh, having one of the few wines that in 1976 was part of the Judgment of 1976, the Judgment of Paris. and 76 trombones in the big parade. And it's completely irrelevant <laughs> to the show. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I got stuck in 1976. I saw flags. I saw myself um, as a 10-year-old. So, Well, know. okay, so 1976 was the 200-year anniversary of the U.S., and so that was the bicentennial. And part of that bicentennial, there was, uh, there was a European uh, a gentleman, a British guy in France named Stephen Spurrier, who had a wine shop in France, and he's Brit, uh, and he's got the wine shop, and he had an American woman working for him. And one of the things they didn't see a lot of was American wines in France. Mm-hmm. Because they thought there wasn't much more than Paul Masson cooking brandy to worry about. And so what um, Patricia, uh, his assistant, said was, wouldn't it be fun to celebrate the American uh, bicentennial by doing a little France versus American wine thing? And Stephen Spurrier, because most of his clients were English-speaking clients that came from the American embassy, uh, thought, okay, sure, let's do that. And so he put together uh, a little tasting uh, that he thought would be just kind of a fun event. And he talked... Uh, 11 judges, well-known French uh, writers and wine uh, judges into sitting down and doing this. And everyone thought it was going to be a shoe-in for the French wines. Mm. Everyone was ready to blow that. So he he chose matching vintages and matching types of wines from California right. and from France. So Chateau Lafitte, Chateau Mouton Rothschild, uh, you know, some great burgundies. Uh, okay, great... I'm just going to stop you really quick. Matching vintages means matching types of grapes. Right? Matching, well, no, uh, you're close. Matching yeah. vintages is, ty- is years. So a uh, vintage is a year. Okay. <laughs> um, and a varietal is a grape. Oh, 
Of course. Okay. So he was pairing the varietals and the vintages to make sure that they were as evenly matched as possible. Okay. So they weren't all taken from that year. They were taken from, you know, whatever. So so he, They were close. They were close. And so I think there was 10, like, there, I think there was like five reds from each country and five whites from each country. And they did the whites first. And so they were, they sat down and shockingly enough, uh, an American white, Chateau Montalena, mm-hmm. won the white tasting. And the French judges uh, were astonished and mm-hmm. even upset. But it was the thing was is that going through the tasting, they were all confused about which was close and which was not. And so you could see when they went into the red tasting, they were determined not to let this happen again. It's like, okay, well, that was a fluke, obviously, that one of these American whites came in first. But they sat down and they started going through the reds and they were just – they were harshly critical of what they were certain were the American reds. And they were, were overly praising the American uh, – the, the, the French reds. And it turned out when the scores came in that uh, Stag's Leap – Cabernet from California oh, no. won the red wine competition. <laughs> and in second place was a Cabernet from Ridge Vineyards. Oh, wow. So this was one of the wines that actually beat the French wines in the time. And so the French judges were infuriated and they didn't want to let their scores out. They demanded their cards back. And Stephen Sawyer says, no, 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 all's fair. You know, this isn't really going to mean a whole lot, but let's go ahead and we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to, we're going to keep the scorecards. Thank you very much. And so he wouldn't give back the cards. And Good. so it Good started a big kerfuffle. Um, but what it did in a way that, that no one expected was there was one writer there. They managed to get one reporter to show up to this thing. So the one reporter who showed up to this thing filed a report and he sent it over to the New York Times, I think it was, or whatever, Life Magazine, I think mm-hmm. it was. And they published a small article about it, about the, the American upset of the French. Um, and suddenly the wineries heard that their wines had beat these French wines. Now, you have to understand at the time, France was a monolith. Uh, right and and it was un unperturbable. It was incredible that that any country, let alone these upstart Americans, uh, with their 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 gross excess and this gross well, Americanism, obnoxious <laughs> obnoxiousness, would have wines that could upset the French wines. Right. This thing that they do better than anybody else, and so it became this. It, it, it grew. It became a tidal wave. People in New York were asking for these California wines, and the, the New York people were like, "What wine is this?" They'd never heard of them. They'd never found their way out of California. The only people drinking California wines at the time were Californians. Really? Um, because they weren't. They were nowhere. And so suddenly this single act, this single let's have some fun moment that happened to get published because there was a friend of his who drank in his shop who came along and said, sure, I'll write a story about that, suddenly blew up uh, the American wine industry and put them on the map, on the world map in a way that uh, that was never anticipated could ever happen. And suddenly people began to take California very seriously indeed. Such a great underdog story. Oh, terrific. And that was the moment that um, there was a moment there where where Robert Mondavi was vindicated for all the things he'd been trying to do for, for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment there, you know, you know, and, and let the, Stephen Spurrier had flown to California and was trying to vet all these wines and certain people didn't want their wines going over there because they were certain they weren't going to stack up to French wines either. Oh. They were certain they were going to be humiliated. Right. And so the fact that he got these bottles of wine back there, the fact that he got these wines into this judgment, these were people that were like, well, let's try it and see what happens. And uh, so this was this was bravery on both sides. Very exciting. And the movie Bottle Shock uh, with Alan Rickman uh, is a fun telling of the story, if not an accurate one. Um, so, but it's worth watching. So if it's on Netflix or if it's on Amazon Prime or whatever like that, definitely watch Bottle Shock. It's very entertaining. Chris Pine, Alan Rickman. 
man. Uh, Bill Pullman, good cast. Wow. And uh, and they, they they take a lot of liberties with the story, but it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but yeah, so the wine we're drinking today was was from one of the original wineries. It was started in 1960. So I your phone. <laughs> and um, <laughs> the idea Google behind that. <laughs> this winemaker um, at the time was that he wanted to make all natural wines coming out of California, which mm-hmm. again was really bucking a trend. So I mean, he he uses just enough sulfur to kill wild yeast. So he's using the uh, or or all non yeast that he doesn't want to keep the ones that are actually growing on the grapes. He does a lot of work to you know to preserve what's in the vineyard and puts it into the bottle. So it's actually a very uh, very rich wine um that has not had a lot of artificial manipulation done with it very exciting well artificial manipulation Mm -hmm. is not fun in a wine i have to say since you have i'm sure we'll do some wines in the future that have that intense grape stuff in it putting things like mega purple in them or 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 using oak chips or doing you know because there's all sorts of things you can do there's all sorts of winery tricks particularly the larger your production um, where you have less and less control over the, the grapes coming mm-hmm. into the, the winery, you need to do those things. If you're going to turn out the McDonald's of wine, then you're not going to be looking for you know prime beef. But you can tell the difference. And I thought that I would never be able to tell the difference. And maybe I can't. Maybe you just tell me and then it's the power of my brain that says it's it just doesn't taste as good. So when you were starting to taste and you would say this is a great wine this is a great wine and i liked those really deep what is that grape stuff called again mega purple mega purple wines and then you were like no 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 this one you just need to sit with it's more of a process Mm -hmm. and now i taste the mega purple wines and i understand why i like them Mm -hmm. um but they're almost like eating a jawbreaker it's just sugar as opposed to i don't know a lemon pie well, and, and a lot of those wines... Right? You know, Did you like that? That was, that was interesting. Good? I'll go okay. with you on that. I mean, a jawbreaker versus, say, a grape, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, instead of lemon pie again. Okay. But I mean, well, there's yeah. there's a lot to be said about... Uh, <laughs> and the question of, uh, is, is, is the wine better or are you better for trying more wines? You know, are is your education now skewing... Do you, Would you still like, you know, smoking Loon if you've never tried, you know, a true Burgundy, you know, would you mm-hmm. still like, you know, would, it's a question. If you, if you had a, a Northern Rhone Syrah and then you go and you drink Yellowtail, which one are you going to like better? Is that your experience now because you've experienced both ends of the spectrum or is it because, you know, you like McDonald's? Well, I like Yellowtail. When's the last time you had Yellowtail? Didn't we just taste it? Nope. Oh, we didn't? Nope, we haven't done... I thought that was that Australian one we tasted. Am I totally off base here? And I'm just, yep, yep. That's that's the <laughs> the, the open mouth. What the are you talking about, Christy? Now we have done uh, several of these podcasts, and I don't remember every wine we've done, but I'm quite certain that we haven't done a yellowtail. Okay. We did talk about yellowtail briefly, and we talked about the color of the label, etc. But we haven't done a yellowtail. Well, maybe that's what I'm remembering because my memory is sharp. Yes, steel trap. <laughs> Okay, so um, so this is um, a California wine coming out of California, Chardonnay, um, and it's not, um, you know, even though it's gone through malolactic fermentation, even though it's been some time in the barrel, it, it actually is not coming across like a huge vanilla bomb like we've gotten used to coming out of California, and it's worth noting, this is a wine from 2012, so this wine is seven and a half years old now. 
And so good. I don't know what that means. Seven and a half years. Is that usually too old for a wine or? Well, for a white wine, people don't tend to think of white wines as aging. Mm. You know, and you, you and you tend to worry that when you run into a wine, a white wine, particularly that it's been in the bottle for, you know, seven, eight years now. Mm-hmm. You think to yourself, surely that's done. You know, are mm-hmm. we going to, you know, because it, it, we tend to think white wines die fast, you know, and they don't have the tannic structure. They don't have the, the grape color and everything to, to to make them last for a long time. But I think it's a lot to, to be said for this. This wine is, is as alive today, I think, um, as it was probably the day it was put in the bottle. It's probably good for another 10 years. Well, I think you're picking really good wines for this podcast because I always say that I love this wine. But a Chardonnay for me has never been my favorite. And I usually actually find them slightly treacly mm-hmm. and thick and not yummy. And this one to me is just, it tastes like it looks like a really beautiful bracelet. <laughs> there you go. See how I brought it around You there? did bring it around. Well done. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Okay, so um, this is something to drink about. Today's wine was the Ridge uh, Estate Chardonnay 2012 from the Santa Cruz Mountains, the Montebello Vineyard. So we have a <laughs> Facebook page. You should check us out. Uh, give us a like. Uh, give us um, a review on iTunes uh, if you would like. Uh, we are on iTunes. We are on Spotify. We are on Stitcher. And uh, yeah, exciting times out there. Tell so, your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Post us. Share us. We want to reach more people with our helpful, fun information. So, Psalm thing to drink about. Uh, my name is Alex Van Amberg, certified Psalm, and with me is Christy Collins, my yoga mom, wife, partner. Yeah. Lovely person. Renaissance uh, woman. Renaissance woman. There we go. And uh, this has been Psalm thing to drink about. Oh, yeah. Still coming. Out.